0: Best way to start a day is with a nice cup of coffee. No better cup of coffee in our region than Boyer's. They've been brewing great coffee since 1965. They're environmentally conscious. They are a local group that has made good for more than 50 years. And uh, they're also the proud coffee partner of the Colorado Rockies. Hometown roasted Boyer's coffee. Uh, And they have been with the Rockies for a number of years. I'll tell you what, I get it delivered to my house, boyerscoffee.com, that's where I go, and you have it delivered right to your door, all kinds of great flavors, they have other products uh, on there as well. So go to their website, make it easy on yourself, or if you want, you're going to the local market, you can get Boyer's Coffee uh, at your local market as well. They roast coffee at Elevation, which gives Boyer's Coffee a special advantage where they're able to roast coffee uh, at a lower temperature, so it makes the coffee smoother than any other coffee you'll get at lower altitudes. It's BoyersCoffee.com, BoyersCoffee.com. Love my steel products, S-T-I-H-L, steeldealers.com, and if you want to improve your yard, any sort of task that you may have in your yard, whether it's bushes, whether it's trees, whether it's branches that uh, need trimming up or coming down, you need to go to steeldealers.com. Again, it's S-T-I-H-L. You're going to be amazed how many products they have, and the beautiful thing about steel is they have battery powered, which is my preference. You've heard me say that before. Uh, And their batteries, by the way, last forever. They have electric products and they also have gas powered products and they have, you know, small and nimble midsize and heavy duty. In fact, uh, professionals use steel products all over the world as well. Uh, Steel, a company built on real power, tools built for real people and dealers who deliver real service. It's steeldealers.com, S-T-I-H-L. Make sure you check them out today. This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast, Rockies outfielder. And infielder Garrett Hampson talking about his hot bat of late and the confidence he has
1: in his teammates. People kind of wrote us off this year, especially with Nolan leaving, and but uh, we got some good players here. Our starting pitching has, has been pretty good, and I think we've got some talent. And uh, we know that we know that we can compete with anybody.
0: And Drew has thoughts on the Broncos, the CU Buffs, and the CSU Rams. It's a bottom line business. Disappointing. Subscribe to the Drew Goodman Podcast wherever you find podcasts and leave a comment and tell a friend. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast. Welcome in, everybody. It is podcast number 114. That's right. Hey, uh, I was thinking the other day, uh, before we start talking sports, one of the things, we all have pet peeves, right, man? Well, I have a pet peeve. I was going through a neighborhood, and I actually lived in one of these neighborhoods about 20 years ago, that... It was a beautiful neighborhood and, uh, you know, it had been built out, oh, in the last, uh, you know, 20, 25 years. And the names of the streets were all the same. How many times have you, you know, plugged in and you're going to visit somebody for the first time, you're going to an address and you plug it in and even your, you know, satellite coordinates, they get confused because the names of the streets are basically the same. In other words, it is Hidden Hill Lane, East Hidden Hill Lane, East Hidden Hill Court, East Hidden Hill Circle, East Hidden Hill Drive, East Hidden Hill Road. Could they not have come up with individual names for each street? I'm sure someone out there is going to reach out to me and say, no, there's a reason they do this. Um, they can save money when they do the surveying or whatever by calling it, you know, every every street's the same. You just change the ending to lane, circle, street, road, whatever. But for the life of me, I mean, seriously, come on, man. We Can we call it like Elm Street, Oak Street, uh, Birchwood Street? We can't come up with new and creative names. Name them after your kids. Do something, but please change it. I mean, how many times have you driven through a neighborhood and the the names of the streets are all the damn same other than at the very end? Lane, circle, I know that had nothing to do with sports. Just uh, forgive that rant, but uh, it happened recently. And uh, I was like, what? This makes no sense. And I've seen this many times in the past. All right, on to the business of sports. First, we'll talk football today because we're in the middle of football season. Uh, Very nice win for your Denver Broncos. And if you followed me through the years, you know that um, even though I'm an adopted Coloradan, I've been out here for 36 years, I still root heavily for the New York football giants. It's been passed down for me for, for generations and they've been around forever. You know, it just doesn't leave your system. Good win, as I said, for the Broncos. It was a game going into this that i said the the Broncos have to win there they that was a must the Giants are awful they don't get any better they keep doing the same things if you think the Broncos have been running in quicksand the last few years uh, i understand that sentiment because at times it has felt that way well the Giants are that way exponentially nothing has changed they can't protect the quarterback uh, whatever. I'm not going to go on about the Giants. But for the Broncos, uh, we all believe that the Broncos can be a very good defense. And they demonstrated as such against a bad offense. But that's what you do. You dominate a bad offense. And, uh, you know, there was a the garbage touchdown late. Who cares about that? The Broncos held the Giants to seven points. Well done. And even without Bradley Chubb, uh, they pressured Daniel Jones. Von Miller got off to a fabulous start with a couple of sacks. By the way, I, I can't help myself. I want to talk about dumb. We give coaches so much credit, too much credit at times. So the Giants, they draft uh, in the first round that kid Tony out of Florida. And he hasn't really been healthy much in in uh, camp. And he's active for week one. And he was supposedly a guy that was going to develop a little bit more slowly as a receiver. But he's great in... Uh, you know, in the open field. He's great in space. And so they're going to use him for jet sweeps, fly sweeps, that sort of thing. He gets on the field twice and that's what they do with him. And Von Miller tackled him for like a six yard loss once and then a two yard loss another time. So that's great. They run this kid twice. And at some point in time, do you not think that Denver's defense is saying, hey, when Tony's on the field, Look for reverse, look for fly sweep, look for motion sweep. And that's exactly what they did. I mean, that was as elementary as getting ready for a high school game, much less an NFL game. So again, we give coaches so much credit and that lacked creativity. If you want to utilize the guy, put him in for a few more snaps so he's some sort of you know, he's out on the field and you see him running routes before he just runs out there and yep, he's getting the football done. Anyhow, good win for the Broncos. Teddy Bridgewater. um, Listen, I I said multiple times during Broncos camp that I thought there's a higher ceiling with Drew Locke. And I'm going to hold to that. But Teddy Bridgewater won that job because he can go through progressions. He doesn't turn the football over. And you know what else he has? Which We always forget with quarterbacks when we're evaluating them in the draft. I don't care that a guy can throw the football from Denver to Boulder. Great. Awesome. How accurate is he? And and as importantly, does he know where to go with the football based on pre-snap reads, based on what coverage unfolds? And Teddy Bridgewater does. And Teddy Bridgewater is accurate. And he threw the football uh, great. Against what should be honestly, uh, you know, beating up the, the Giant offense, their defense ought to be pretty good. It was pretty good last year. Um, and though they don't get a great pass rush, they have a solid secondary. So the fact that the Broncos went out and, and scored the kind of points they did behind Teddy Bridgewater, it really was a, a very, very good week one. And listen, you know, I'm beating up coaches overall for, for probably we give them too much credit because for me, in all of sports, it is about talent. Talent is always going to trump everything else. And yes, there are coaches that are really good at getting and extracting the most out of their talent. Um, and it, I always say this, we, we expect and desire players to get better at any level, whether it be, you know, young kids all the way up to, uh, guys who get paid. You want to see them get better in their careers, at their craft. Well, the same can be said for coaches. And for Vic Fangio, it got a lot of attention during preseason when he would go for it on fourth down. Well, that doesn't mean anything because preseason doesn't mean a damn thing. Wins, losses, tie, it doesn't mean anything. Vic Fangio, three times, went for it on fourth down, makes you look good when you're successful all three times. Uh, but he is growing, shall we say, as a manager of a football game. He's no longer just a Ballyhoo defensive coordinator. He's the head coach. And the fact that he took calculated risks on fourth down was great to see, even better from a Broncos perspective that they were successful. But I thought that showed growth on the part of of Vic Fangio and not just conversation about it or implementing it during preseason actually doing it in week one on the road in the NFL season uh, so it was a so it was a really good start and uh, the last thing on the Broncos they clearly uh, avoided uh, a catastrophic injury with Jerry Judy just a high ankle sprain and we say just but the way it looked I think everybody thought well he's done for the year so uh, that was good on to more football. Colorado plays uh, Texas A&M at Empower Field off their feet, and then they lose 10-7. to I'm a big fan of Carl Durrell, and I actually like really what he said in the post-game press conference. A lot of friends of mine are big CU boosters. I pull hard for CU. I pull hard, as you know, for CSU as well. Progress is not a moral victory. Progress is... You are celebrating on the field, you're celebrating with your fans, and then you're celebrating in your locker room because you won the football game. Not because you came close to winning or came a lot closer against a top five program than many people would have thought. Progress, real progress is in winning. So I applaud Carl Durrell because he wasn't impressed with the fact that uh, the Buffs hung in there albeit against their number two quarterback, and lost because of a late touchdown 10-7. to 7. It's unacceptable to me because they really should have won the football game. They were in position to win the game. So, again, I like how Carl Durrell handled it. We're not satisfied with what we lost by a field goal to, to uh, the number five team in the country. You got to win. Nobody looks back at a season and goes, hey, remember that 20... 21 season where you know the the buffs finished 4 and 8 but uh, they were really close in four or five games and and two of the th- two of those games were against ranked opponents nobody gives a shit about that how many times you know what seasons you remember when they go 10 and 2 and you go to a nice bowl game those are the seasons you remember when you knocked off nationally ranked nebraska nationally ranked southern cal those that's when You think back fondly on a season, not when you came close. And CU needs to get to that point. And that's what Carl Durrell, you know, all of his comments, post-game, all of his comments during the week um, are acknowledging that progress comes when you win. So uh, I appreciate that. For Colorado State, you heard me get on my soapbox last week. Uh, You know, it's more the same. Did they look a lot better in the first half against Vanderbilt? Yes, absolutely. I, I thought they looked pretty good. They outgained them by 3-1, to one, over 300 yards, so basically 100 yards in the first half. But guess what? In the second half, you couldn't stop them, and Vanderbilt ends up winning the game 24-21. So I know what Steve Adazio said after. We, we played much better, a lot of progress. Yeah. Save that for the internal conversations It's a bottom line business. And you are now 0-2 against South Dakota State. A lot of good players. I know they play at a quote-unquote lower level. We talked about that. But Vanderbilt, yeah, they're out of the SEC. But that in your backyard, especially up 14-0, is a game you have to win. And they didn't. Disappointing. One more football note. Oh, my goodness. What a great, great game between the Ravens and Raiders on Monday night, and I'm watching this in overtime, and And the Raiders are on the half-yard line first down. Now, they screwed it up, as you know, and then they ultimately find a way to, to to win the game, but it looks like they're going to win it right there, and you're reminded, everybody's thinking the same thing, I, I guarantee that I was. You want to see Lamar Jackson get the ball and have a chance to tie the game in overtime. Get rid of that stupid rule that if the first team who touches it actually goes down the field and scores a touchdown, the game's over. Doesn't make any sense. Play it out. And, and fortunately, at that point, from my entertainment standpoint and your entertainment standpoint, they didn't score initially, and then they, you know, they force a fumble on Lamar Jackson, and then they they score on the, uh, you know, on the when. when Baltimore won the max blitz, and they hit a guy wide open for a walk-off touchdown. But that was a great football game, but uh, they got to change that overtime rule. One other note, by the way, and I'll hit this again during the football season. This goes back to college. They are throwing kids out left and right for targeting. They need to tier the targeting. I mean, if it was malicious with the crown of the helmet, I can see an immediate ejection. How about a 15-yard penalty and one strike and two strikes, you're out. I mean, they're they're taking kids off the field, and then they have to miss the next half of the next game for, you know, contact that sometimes may seem unavoidable. People are moving. They're going fast. Helmets collide. Um, They don't seem to worry about helmet-on-helmet contact On the line of scrimmage, which happens all the time because it's not in the open where people can clearly see it. They need to change that rule in college. Now on to the Rockies. Rockies, as we tape this on a Wednesday morning, are 4-1 on this road trip. Halfway through the road trip, and and they've, they've won four out of five against two teams battling their ass off to go to the postseason. Philadelphia and first place Atlanta. So kudos to the Rockies. They are getting better. You know, we were talking about that. And how do you judge getting better? You're winning games. The Rockies over their last, I don't know, 90 games are actually above 500. That's getting better, certainly from where they started, which gives hope moving forward. And again, we've talked about it and we'll continue to talk about it throughout the autumn and the winter. Um, moves that, that hopefully will be made. Um, to improve that roster going into 2022. Uh, but some guys that are going to be part of undoubtedly the 2022 roster are getting better. And one of those guys is Garrett Hampson. And Garrett is uh, coming off a, a great couple of ball games and an, an all timer game on Sunday where he drives in all five runs, three run, home run, two run, home run as the Rockies take three or four in Philadelphia and win five to four. And he was in the middle of a five to four win in Atlanta uh, with very good offense on Tuesday night, so Garrett Hampson, good dude, product of Long Beach State, he is our ideal home loans interview of the week. Sunday, that was uh, that was a rather large game you produced, man. Is that uh, if you go back to little league, and college, high school, is that is that the is that the greatest uh, game you've put together? You think?
1: Uh, yeah, it's up there for sure. I think two homers and, and five RBIs is I don't know. I can't remember the last time I had five RBIs in a game, so that was that's pretty cool. That
0: was really cool, especially when you couple it the fact that you win five to four. So all five RBIs, not only you drove in, but you, but your club needed all five runs.
1: Right. Yeah, that was pretty cool to, to contribute like that.
0: Yeah, when you hit the ball, uh, when you hit the uh, the first one. Um, two curveballs in a row from Nola, and he's got a great curveball. He strikes out a ton of people, as you well know. Were you thinking it's coming again?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, I think I saw four before that. That was the fifth curveball I saw and the two at bats, and I hadn't I hadn't even touched it yet. So I I I wasn't sure if he was coming back with it, but um, just to be able to time it up, you know, it only took me four, but uh, I was able to time that one up and, and put a good swing on it.
0: Yeah, you can always say, hey, listen, no one throws five curveballs past me, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah, never five.
0: Yeah. Uh, The second homer, high fastball against a guy who's who's nasty also in Hector Neris. Um, Did you think you got enough of it?
1: Uh, I barreled it up for sure. It it went straight up in the air. Um, I didn't initially, and and when I looked at the left fielder, he was already at the fence, so I thought there there was a chance there, but you know, off the bat, I didn't think it was going to go out.
0: What did guys say to you after the game?
1: Oh, they just said, nice job, and, and way, to, way to do it for us today, and, and this and that, you know, Charlie, I got the change. Charlie Charlie handed me the change, so it felt good to uh, contribute like that.
0: Yeah, I bet. How, how, how important has this stretch been for you, Hampi, um, on the road? Because you're no, you know what your numbers are. Your numbers at home have been excellent, and, and out on the road, you, you've struggled this year. And uh, I think uh, I said it on the air last night, Um, now, because you had a great game last night also over the last 11 games, I mean, you're hitting, you know, close to 400 and 600 plus slugging, et cetera. What, what's been the difference?
1: I'm not sure. I don't think it's, um, you know, I don't want to say it's anything due to like, you know, being away from a course field or anything like that. I don't think, you know, you know, I'm not, I can't really put a finger on it, but, um, just starting to feel better in the box, I think is, is the main thing and, and getting that, getting that rhythm and timing back at the plate.
0: How big a transition was it for you offensively to, to kind of mitigate the leg lift and 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 kind of put that to the side?
1: Yeah, it's just something uh, you know try not to go back and forth, back and forth. But uh, you know, I, I do realize that the toe tap puts me in, puts my body in a, in a good position to stay upright with the posture and, and uh, you know just more consistent timing with it. So it's definitely helped me in in the in the fact of just. Getting ready for for the pitch.
0: I remember this a guy. I don't know if you've ever heard of him because it goes back twenty something years ago. But there was a guy who played shortstop for the Rockies back in the nineties. Good dude, um, and he had a little bit of pop. His name was Nafy Perez. I don't know if you ever heard that name. And um, and Don Baylor, who was a the manager then, he always felt like, oh man, the worst thing in the world is when Nafy hits a home run because now then it's generally uh, preceded by you know fifteen at bats where he gets too big. Um, do you, do you worry about that? I mean, you've always had, I know it's been a a kind of a funny line with buddy where he goes, yep. You know, hampy has got sneaky pop and, um, but you know, you do have, you have legit pop. I mean, maybe it's not 35 home run pop, but you know, you can hit who knows 15, 20, whatever, double digit home runs, which you've already done. Um, do you worry about that taking you away from who you are?
1: No, I don't, I don't, I don't worry about that. I think, um, you know, I know who I am as a player and and just being able to, to stick to my approach and, and try to help the team win, you know, the way I can is and that whenever I hit home runs it's on accident. You know what I mean? I'm never trying to hit home runs. So I know that, you know, even when I do hit the home runs I'm I'm not I'm not thinking about being too big or, or hitting the ball five hundred feet. You
0: know, one of the things I noticed, and, and if I noticed it, I guarantee you, you're very much aware of this, is that one of your focuses, and we've talked about this before, is you know, you, you cutting down on your on your strikeout. Your strikeout percentage is down nine um, percent, which is uh, which is remarkable from a year ago. Is that is that? Is that something obviously you focused on? Is it something you're particularly proud of as you evaluate where you've come from from a year ago?
1: For sure, you know I'm proud of it, but I also think there's there's a lot more to, to do there. I think uh, you know I'll, next year I want I'm want to knock it down, you know, another good chunk. I think that um, you know the, the more at bath I'm taking in the big leagues, I'm learning a lot, and uh, you know I see myself as a. A guy who strikes out under 20% of the time. So that's what I want to get to, and, um, you know, I, I know I can get there.
0: Who's helped you the most in, in your approach at the big league level?
1: Just picking guys, players' players' brains. You know, Charlie, Trevor, Krohn uh, has helped me a lot. Uh, you know, guys like that, just, just being able to pick their brain. Chris Owings is a good guy to, to, to just pick his brain, and, and uh, you know, he knows the – Knows the game well. These guys know the game well, and it's uh, obviously they've done it. They're living it. Uh, I think that's the best, you know. When when um, you know a guy takes that bat off a certain pitcher you haven't seen, just things like that. You can you can talk with your with your teammates is is big.
0: I always wonder about this, Garrett. And I know guys are every guy's different. You know when you when you're in a good place, you can go hey see it and hit it, and, and you know everything's on time and balance and that sort of thing, and you see spin early. But how often do you go? are you in a count or with a certain guy where you will sit on a pitch or sit
1: soft? Does that happen frequently for you? You know, there's times. There's definitely times where I, where I do that. Uh, I guess it's just it's based on the situation, the the pitcher, what kind of, what, what type of slider does he have? Is that his, you know, one of his only pitches, that's his go-to pitch, his out pitch. Um, you know, there's definitely times where you got to, I think you have to. You have to do that in the big leagues. Uh, the stuff is too nasty to to come off of it or or not you know look for it. You, everybody knows. Everybody in the park knows he's going to throw his best pitch at, at a certain you know um, you know time in the game where the situation calls for it. And uh, you know I think you doing yourself a favor by by giving yourself the best chance to do that.
0: You know, a moment ago we were talking about uh, you know home versus road, and you know I've watched this club since their inception and I and I've gotten on my soapbox many times for people who don't seem to understand um and the difference in ball movement when you guys leave altitude uh, and the difference also in how your bodies feel and how you adjust and then going back um it's the toughest environment um the set of circumstances if you will of any uh team in baseball um how, how radical is that, and and how have you adjusted now, being in the big leagues for for a few years?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I definitely I feel my body uh, changing on the road versus versus at home. But I, you know, and I noticed that the pitches definitely definitely move more. Um, you know, I've, I'm not the one, I'm not one to you know really put all the chips on that, but um, you know, the numbers speak for themselves. The you know, we we don't hit as well. I I mean, I think a lot of teams don't hit as well on the road as they do at home, but ours are definitely drastic, I'm sure. Um, Some I try not to pay too much attention to. Um, Just trying to take it back no matter what park I'm in.
0: More with the Rockies' Garrett Hampson in a moment, but first this for Ideal Home Loans. They've been kicking butt in our area for more than 20 years now. Brent Ivinson's team, they listen And then they lend and they listen because they want to put you in the best product, the most appropriate product for what your goals are short term and long term. You can reach them at 303-867-7000. That's 303-867-7000. Sometimes you may feel like a mortgage company is giving you the runaround. There's no cost and no obligation to get a second opinion. There's also no uh, cost in getting a second opinion if you're not sure if you can improve where you currently are. A lot of people obviously have very low rates right now, but you may be able to get even lower. So give Brent Ivinson's team at Ideal Home Loans a call, 303-867-7000. It could be refinancing, maybe you're in the market for a new home, or, or maybe, it's uh, to get a project done around the house and you're trying to come up with the extra funds to do that. Give them a call. They'll give you uh, great information and they'll make the process very, very easy. Again, it's Ideal Home Loans, 303-867-7000. I think it's safe to say divorce is not fun. Difficult time, emotional time, uncertain time. Been there. You need guidance. You need counsel. You need accurate information and great professionalism and understanding. And you'll find it without question at one of the top family law firms in the region in Cox Baker and Page. That's Cox, Baker and Page. They've been recognized in a number of publications for their excellent work in the area of family law. They're compassionate and thorough in guiding you through a tumultuous period. Their work has been routinely recognized for its excellence. U.S. News and World Report, for instance, consistently award Laura Page and Mary Cox best lawyer distinctions. If you or someone you know is looking for counsel, reach them at CoxBakerAndPage.com. That's CoxBakerAndPage.com. Mention you heard it from me and receive a discount on your initial consultation. Now back to more with Garrett Hampson. You know, last night, and it's, it's Wednesday as we taped this, and uh, last night, you know, coming off that great ball game you had Sunday that we were talking about, you know, you threw out some hits in uh, the triple uh in Atlanta, and you go the other way, which I think speaks to what we were talking about earlier. Instead of all of a sudden getting big and and that sort of thing, you draw, you got to pitch out over the plate and you you let it travel and, and get deep. Was that your approach uh, early in the ball game?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think um, just with with that guy throwing his sinker, uh, trying to just stay inside the ball. And uh, you know, get some out over. You not you're not you don't want some kind of barreling in on your hands or, or especially in that situation in the I think it was the second inning there. Um, you know, with the runner on third, busting two outs, just trying to get a pitch over, up and out, and uh, you know, drive it the other way, and get the run in. That that's
0: four. That's four out of five on the road against two teams that are trying to make the uh, the postseason. I personally hate the friggin' word spoiler because nobody goes into a season and goes, hey, you know what, let's get late in the season and try to screw it up for somebody else. You want to be the team that, that's going to the postseason, clearly. But do you get any greater satisfaction out of playing these types of games against these types of
1: teams? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, you know, you know, we've grinded all year and, I mean, it's easy to just be like, "Oh, we didn't make playoffs this year." You know, kind of, you know, just just wait for season to end. But I mean, these games these games are mean mean a lot, and, and we know that they mean a lot for for the other teams that we're playing. And uh, to be able to, to to get a win, not not necessarily just to even play well, play better on the road than we have this year is, is awesome. Um, you know, our guys have have really grinded it all year long, and and. Uh, just to win against meaningful games against teams that are in the playoff run is it's fun. You know
0: this as a as a as a big leaguer. Rosters change year to year. So, you know, rosters change. Heck, week to week. Um, but do you feel overall, when you look around that clubhouse and you look at that starting rotation, maybe in particular, that this team can be closer than many people from afar thinks it is.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, people kind of wrote us off this year, especially Nolan leaving and, and, uh, kind of the turnover. But we got some good players here. We got some good pitching. Our pitching have, our starting pitching has been, has been pretty good. I mean, really good on the, on the, at home, um, which is hard to do. I know we had some struggles on the road early where we couldn't, we couldn't put together runs and, um, we're starting to figure that out now. But, uh, and I think we've got some talent and, uh, we know that, we know that we can compete with anybody.
0: Who do you think you can be a, a, as a big leaguer, or do you not, you know, let you know put a you know a name on it or a body of numbers, or, or perhaps you do?
1: Uh, I don't. I wouldn't say I put a body of numbers or, or a certain player, but you know, I know I could be Garrett Hampson, and uh, there's times this year where I haven't been him, so I'm trying to to figure out Garrett Hampson. And, you know, that's what I want to be.
0: Where where are you with your bunt game right now? Because I know that's something you work on quite a bit, and you and you break it out once in a while. Obviously, because you have elite speed, where are you with that now?
1: Uh, yeah, feels good. Just continue to work on it, and uh, it's all about getting the right pitches to the bunt. Uh, you know, when you when you try it in the game, uh, I think this year I've I've been a little too aggressive with it. I think once I show, it's like I'm I'm going for the ball, and uh, you know, that's when you can get in trouble. That's where you can pop pop them up, which I've done. Um, uh, you know, things like that, but. Uh, I think the more you kind of fine tune the the strike zone, even when you're bunting, is is going to help you out.
0: Hey, by the way, short of uh, high school, you ever had an inside the park home run in uh, whether at Long Beach or in pro ball?
1: Yeah, I think I had one in in college. Um, definitely in high school. I know I had one in high school. Uh, nothing, nothing at the pro level yet. I don't think.
0: Because I tell you, it came off the bricks. Yet, uh, last night. And for a moment, if Ozzie Albies doesn't go out there, probably a good chance Stu's gonna send you, I would think, huh?
1: Yeah, I thought there was there was a chance. I once just once I saw the replay, I didn't I didn't know it came back so so far into the infield. Uh, I knew it kicks kicked off the wall, but uh pretty crazy how how far that came back in. Yeah. Hey,
0: you know what? I got a huge kick. Um, we had the video of you guys, and it's a tradition. And usually, we're on the flight, so we see it firsthand. Of when the rookies, you know, the rookie flight, where they where you the veterans dress them up in something. First of all, when you when you were a rookie, do you remember what would, what did you have to wear?
1: I think it was in eighteen. I uh, we had to wear like a wrestling. Uh, I think they're called singlets or something, Singlet, right? Yeah, singlets. Yeah, with the whole. Headgear, um, you know the the little helmet, the ear protection, and, and the tight <laughs> the tight singlet stuff. Um, that's what I got stuck with. But it's all fun and games. I mean, it's a uh, you know, like you said, tradition. But um, you just kind of, as a rookie, you gotta you gotta take it with what it is and, and have fun with it. I thought going to Atlanta and having
0: the rookies dress up as caddies was perfect. Um, whose idea was that?
1: Yeah, I thought I thought it was awesome as well. I loved the idea. Um, I think it was, you know, obviously the veterans. I think Charlie and Kinley and uh, Hard. I think it was, I think they were leading the way with that. Um, but I thought the idea, idea was great, and it was it was fun to see.
0: So did you? I mean, not that you're like a super veteran, but you're not a rookie either. Did you? So did you have somebody who was quote unquote your caddy?
1: No, I guess I was I was in the middle there, but uh, I didn't get it. I didn't have to be a caddy or, or get a caddy, but uh, I was I was happy to just stand stand on the side and watch. The front. You were a patron,
0: because you're not exactly. You were yeah, a, a patron. at Augusta National. That was classic, man. By by the way, going back to the uh, wrestling singlet days, there are certain guys that can pull off being in a singlet, and they're off. And there's some guys that probably shouldn't be in a singlet, if I recollect like, properly.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can imagine. That's that's. I'd say that's pretty fair statement.
0: Yeah. That was uh, that was good stuff. Hey, before I let you let you go, we were talking also on the air last night, and you know you kind of in broadcasting you get toward the end of the season and you start talking about you know guys who made strong improvements and you know that sort of thing. You kind of sum up the season in in many regards, and and we were talking about the, you know the most improved player on the Rocky. And before I throw out my opinion. I want to get your opinion. Who do you think, if if, if you had to say, this guy's the most improved guy on our team, who who would you point to, or or maybe a couple of guys?
1: I think you got. I mean, you got to go to Elias. Diaz. He's. Uh, I mean, just from where he was, in the beginning of the year, uh, you know, to now. You know, I'm not really sure what his averages, but his at bats are are just fantastic lately. Uh, really, for about two months, I think um and he doesn't strike out which is incredible so to have a catcher that can hit you know 20 20 home runs and not strike out and and (laughs) defensively do what he does and i mean he's he's a special player and i think everybody's starting to see that now
0: yeah i like how he puts digits down too and he i mean he listen most catchers you got to be a tough guy to go back there obviously this dude gets hit more than uh you know the crash test dummy and yeah. he's always got a smile. He always has big energy. I mean, it is the middle of September. I've been really impressed by him. By the way, that's who I said. I didn't want to lead you to that, but that's who I felt was, you know, for me, unequivocally, the most improved player.
1: Yeah, he's he's turned it around, and I'm, I'm proud of him and happy for him.
0: Yeah, he seems like he's he's popular in, in the clubhouse as well. Guy, guys seem to really like him.
1: Yeah, for sure. He's a great great guy, great teammate, and I know the pitchers love having him behind him on plate you know throwing out some extra outs for him
0: the other guy two quick ones the other guy I was going to mention is even though he's you know a, a big-time prospect and has been is it, it seems like Brendan Rogers been able to put his feet down and, and and start to show people why he was drafted where he
1: was yeah for sure I mean he's he's just doing what he can do he's doing what Brendan can do getting his getting his that you know consistent playing time getting his at-bats and I mean, he just looks comfortable up there. You could tell in the box he's just comfortable. He's he's Brendan Rogers, So, you know, he's going to have a long career, and, and it's it's fun being a part of it.
0: Yeah, and the last one I wanted to mention is a guy that I, that I like watching his at-bats, and I would think as a, as a teammate, you know, you can glean a lot from him, and he doesn't have a ton of experience, um, is Connor Joe. Because Connor spits on borderline pitches, and, you know, he really has great strike zone discipline.
1: Yeah, Connor Judge. Just, I mean, he's the ultimate a good at bat taker. I mean, he he's up there more than not. It's going to be a good at bat whether he he drives a walk or, or you know makes the pitcher work or gets it you know move the guy over, score him in. Um, he's had a few big hits too, so he's he's had a great year. And um, I'm hoping he can he can you know get his hamstring healthy and, and finish out the year strong. What are your
0: plans for the off season? Anything special?
1: Uh no, not not too many plans. Gonna go back to Arizona and uh you know, probably see the fam a few times, uh, go back to Reno, maybe for the holidays, but uh, you know, nothing nothing huge planned right now. Go watch the Wolf Pack once, right? Oh yeah, for sure. Hey Hampy, I appreciate it, man.
0: Um stay well and uh, continued success. You're a blast to watch and, and I'm happy for uh for all that's gone well for you. All right, Drew, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Garrett Hampson's a guy that, again, if you follow this podcast, you know I really like. If you follow the games on AT and T Sportsnet, uh, I'm really have always been intrigued by Garrett Hampson. He's a superior athlete. He's one of the fastest players, as you know, in the game. He's proved to be extremely versatile. I think he's a very good center fielder, and he and he came up as a shortstop. And when he's at second base, he does fine at second base. He's a guy that you can hit all over the lineup. Can he lead off? Yeah. And I think his ability to lead off will become um, more appealing as his strikeout rate continues to drop. Last year, his strikeout rate was above 32%, which... I mean, it's hard to live with unless you're a really high walk rate guy and hit the ball out of the ballpark. Joey Gallo, teams have lived with a high walk rate with Joey Gallo because, excuse me, high strikeout rate because he walks a lot and he hits home runs. You can't be a Garrett Hampson type and strike out a third of the time. Well, he's dropped that um, to league average or slightly below. He's around 23, percent which that's a huge, huge drop. And as you heard, he wants to drop it more. He wants to get it below twenty percent. The more he gets the ball in play, the greater chance that he can utilize one, you know, maybe his best tool, and that is his wheels to, you know, produce more infield hits. The average, the on base percentage uh, continues to to creep up. And then there's the occasional home run, and his defensive versatility. So uh, I remain intrigued by Garrett Hampson. I don't know if down the road he's a you know he play. He's a full time starter, playing ninety five percent of the time, or he is um, the utility type guy that that starts um, more frequently than he sits. Um, I I'm not sure where he falls yet, but I know he's getting better. And knowing him, he's busting his ass to continue to get better. And it takes a while to emerge as a big league player. There's so many examples. Um, out there of, of guys that it took a while. Look at Chris Taylor, who's the first-time All Star this year. He's going to be a free agent, by the way. The Dodgers, Chris Taylor, great positional versatility, uh, hits home runs. You know, runs well. It, it took a while. I mean, he was in Seattle. Didn't really happen for him in Seattle. So again, Garrett Hampson, I think, still has a a very bright future, and uh, it's good to see him improve. This year, uh, and really take a significant step, and he's improved within the year. I mean, he's better now. His road numbers have improved dramatically, and they were not—you know—he'll be the first to tell you—they were not good, um, you know, most of this year. So, uh, kudos again to Garrett Hampson. All right, we'll do it again next week. We always appreciate your time. Uh, another shout out, as always, to my friends uh, over at DNBR on the DNBR Daily, Daily. Rockies podcast make sure you download uh, Patrick Lyons and Drew Creasman. Um they keep you up to date they keep you entertained um, they come up with new baseball topics all the time and uh, I have fun uh, when I'm on with them during the week as well so that's the DNVR podcast boys all right take care folks we'll talk to you next week right here on the Drew Goodman podcast be well stay safe